0: Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the broken.
1: How serious do you take holiness? Personal holiness. This is not a word that gets shared a lot within churches today because people don't like to hear this stuff. Holiness. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm sorry. People don't like to hear that either. But it's true. You're a sinner. And I would be lying to you if I I told you anything other than that. But you're a sinner who has opportunity to be saved by Jesus Christ and His death on the cross.
0: And His grace. It's beautiful. Despite how much you think that you can save yourself, you can't. In today's message from Pastor James, he encourages you to put down the striving, the climbing, and the self-relying. This will only make you toil and spin. But God offers you a better way. A way that leads to a life that's abundant, fruitful, and full of peace. Pastor James urges you to surrender your life to Jesus. The truth is, you're in need of a Savior. And that Savior isn't you. You're a sinner in need of grace. Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior today. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 9, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: No neutrality in Christianity at all. Actually, if you're either for Jesus or you're against Jesus, that's just how it is. There's no neutral. There's no gray area. And we're like, oh, I don't know if I'm for Jesus. Well, then you're against him. Why well, wouldn't say that? Well, no, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. So be for Jesus. And then he he clarifies that even a little bit more concerning this uh, service, acts of service, in verse 41. Uh, if anyone gives you a, even a cup of water, even the smallest, minial, uh, you know, just task possible, the glass of water, it won't be forgotten. So I love this because Jesus is bringing it right back around to what he was talking about before John kind of interrupted him a little bit. He says, look, if anybody even gives you a cup of water, it will not be forgotten. So as an encouragement for all of us, any act of service that you do unto the Lord is not forgotten. It is seen by God, and it will never be forgotten. In fact, he even says, um, that person will surely be rewarded. So serve the Lord. And even if you feel like, well, my service to the Lord is kind of behind the scenes and nobody ever really notices, no, look, he does. He sees you. Jesus sees that. And you don't do it for the rewards, but if you're just simply serving Jesus, there will be rewards awaiting you. I don't even know what that means. I have no clue. Like, it's amazing. But Jesus' is like, look, let that guy be. He's he's on our team. He's just not within your little click. That's fine. Let him be. He's serving me. And by the way, he's casting out a demon. That's a you know, it's a miracle, it's a huge thing and all that good He's like, even just giving out a cup of water, that matters in the kingdom of God. It matters. That's cool. I think that's encouraging. Now we gotta get back to the issue at hand. And this is where we step into personal holiness. Yay, right? You're like, oh, what time is it? I got to leave. Spring forward. Um, let's get out of here. Uh, no. Jesus shifts a little bit, all still within the same context. He says, but if you, okay, talking about the sectarianism and not, we're not, we're not doing that, Don't, he's on our team, you know, all that good stuff. But if you, talking to his disciples, because one of these little ones, remember the little guy that Jesus has with him in the presence of them, who trusts in me to fall into sin or to be led away or to stumble, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. You're like, what? that's quite the turn, Jesus. Like, holy cow, like we are just talking about glasses of water. He's like, oh yeah, let me let you know this. Um, if you ever lead somebody astray, you're going to regret it. Those are harsh words, Jesus. That doesn't really fly in our, in our world today, does it? It doesn't. But it's just, this is needed within our world today. This is where, I, I, I love this, and especially where it's at, because we, if you're like me, then you, you have all these thoughts circulating within your brain concerning these people representing Jesus and doing great things for Jesus, but the, man, they're not like on our, I mean, we're not, it doesn't feel like we're on the same team and all that stuff, and we worry so much about that. Ultimately, what Jesus is saying is like, look, I'll handle that. If it's wrong, I'll handle it. It's my church. If they're off, I'll handle that. But here's what you should be worried about more so than them. You should be worried about yourself. You should pay attention to yourself. And you need to make sure that you're, especially within your almost divisiveness, divisiveness in fighting about who's the greatest, but then also fighting about who's on our team and who's not on our team, you ought to be very cautious that if you lead this little kid astray, you will regret that. Christians, be mindful of what arguments you're pulling other people into. Be mindful of what you're dragging maybe new believers into. You better, we need to be cautious about this stuff because we like to look at this as like, well, obviously he's speaking to non-believers. He's talking to disciples. He's talking to disciples. He's talking to the guys he's gonna build the church upon. He says, you better watch. You better watch how you take care of these little ones here. He's Obviously he's talking about a little kid, but he's also, that could be a reference to of new believers, people who are young in their faith. And if you pull them into your bitterness, you better be careful you better be careful. There is no excuse for that at all. At all. I get it. Things happen in a church. We talk about this a lot. Things happen. We're a building filled with sinners. Something's going to happen eventually, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. I don't care if it's a pastor or whatever, but we there. And I, look, we understand the dynamics of church. Sometimes things go south. Sometimes there's hurt. And, and, and when we leave and, and we can carry away bitterness with us, but but I hope you're not implanting those seeds into the hearts of impressionable new followers of Christ. The sad thing is we see that happen all the time, all the time. I mean, you may, you run into somebody and it's like, oh yeah, I used to go to that church. Oh, what happened? Well, there's stuff happening there. Were you part of that? No, I wasn't a part of that, but I'm just connected to people that were a part of that. Whoa, hold on. That sounds a little dangerous to me. I get it. if the Lord calls you away from a church and all that good stuff, and if a church is preaching false things and I'm all for it, you know, you, you get out of there. But I'm not for people picking up somebody else's offense when they have no right to do that. I'm also not for grown Christians, mature believers, sowing seeds of discord or bitterness into the hearts of other believers. There's no place for that. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, if you uh, scandalize, is really the, the Greek term there, stumble. If you entice them to sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. Um, this would be something that they would, they would understand. This is a, a Gentile punishment. Um, this actually was practiced. If there was a criminal, and had many ways of executing criminals back in the day, and one of the ways that they did that was they would, They would literally do this. And we have this picture of a millstone, in case you want to see, because most of us don't live on a farm or anything. Um, But that's, there it goes. Uh, Look at that millstone. That's gigantic. You have to have a a mule attached to this thing so it can go in circles and it can grind up the grain and everything. They have smaller versions of that. But this is the one Jesus is talking about. If if that, that thing's attached to your neck, hey, guess what? You're going to the bottom, and you're going fast. You're gonna, you probably won't even be alive to make it to the bottom. Like, that's huge. You're talking hundreds of pounds. And Jesus could point to that and be like, yeah, that thing. You would wish that that thing was tied around your neck. So that must speak of there, there should, there's a greater account to be, to be given. It says it'd be better for you to have that attached to your neck and you thrown into the sea, uh, to the Mediterranean Sea, more than likely, could be the Sea of Galilee. But for you to be thrown into this body of water, then what's to come for you? You're like, well, what's to come for me? Why? You you don't want to no, Go the opposite direction. Like, oh, I want to figure this out. No, you don't want to figure this out. You want to learn, and you would say, you know what? I should probably. I, I need to be careful. I need to be careful. Careful for what? Careful that I'm pointing people to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. He, says, he goes on in this very graphic illustration. Okay, now this is hyperbole. Okay, this is not literal, right? Some people in history have taken this literally. And, and, and you know, it's like, no, it's, it's, this is just an illustration. This is how to be drastic with sin, okay? Because now we venture into this the sinfulness type thing. Verse 43, if your hand... And it's always referencing the right hand, okay? Uh, Because most people are right-handed, right? No slight for you lefties, none at all. But, you know, statistically, there's less of you than there are of the right-handers, right? But it speaks of what you do, the right hand. It oftentimes represents power, but it, it, it signifies what you do. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. So if this is causing you issues in your relationship with Jesus, he's saying you got to be drastic. With, if, if the things that you do, which are represented by the hand, the things that you do are causing you to walk away from the Lord, or sin against Him, then you need to make some drastic decisions within your life. If you're noticing, like, man, I, every time I do this, it feels like I get this gut punch kind of thing. I feel, it's called conviction. Um, I feel bad for that. Well, stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, how aggressive do you want to be? And He's not literally saying, cut off your hand, because that would be nonsense. Nonsense. He's going to say, is your foot next? And then uh, it's like your foot. And then your eyeball. Pluck out your eyeball. Let me tell you this. You could have no hands, no feet, no eyes, and you can still sin against God. Okay? Because it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It's also a brain issue, right? And you can't pluck that thing out because then you're dead. But you can't plug this thing out either because then you're dead. It's it's not an issue of your hands, your feet, and your eyeballs. It's an issue of your heart. But concerning sin, a sin that so easily ensnares us, as, as the book of Hebrews would say, how aggressive are you towards that? How serious do you take holiness, personal holiness? This is not a word that gets shared a lot within churches today because people don't like to hear this stuff. Holiness. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm sorry. People don't like to hear that either. But it's true. You're a sinner. And I would be lying to you if I, if I told you anything other than that. But you're a sinner who has opportunity to be saved by Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his grace. It's beautiful. And when you enter in that relationship, what he calls you to, what he calls me to, is holiness, distinction, separation but not separation like these disciples were thinking. Separation from the world devoted to God. Holiness. I am holy, therefore be holy. That's what God says. I mean, that that command is repeated all throughout the scriptures. If your hand, what you do causes you to sin, then stop doing that. If your foot causes you to sin, i.e. representing uh, where you go, I don't know what it is. I keep going to this place, and I keep I end up feeling bad about it. Well, stop going to that place, right? If you're on a diet and you're hanging out in candy stores, your diet's not working. Okay, why? Because it's you. You got to remove yourself from the temptations. You got to be like Joseph when Potiphar's Potiphar's wife is like, she's all over this dude. She's like, sleep with me. He's like, no. And, he's, and he runs away. He sets his feet in the opposite direction of the temptation, and he runs away, naked. Then he gets thrown in jail, because he's falsely accused of sexually assaulting this woman. But he did the right thing. Sometimes that happens. The thing is, is that he didn't compromise. He didn't run to her. Could have been very easy for that young man To fulfill those natural desires. He's far from home. Nobody knows who he is. Man, I mean, you can't get asked for a better situation for a kid who's like probably 17 to 19 years old, right? But he said, no, I have a relationship with God. How could I sin against him? And how could I sin against your husband? And he set his feet in the other direction and he ran away. If your foot causes you to sin, We'll cut it off. It's better to go uh, into eternal life with only one foot, hopping right in with only one foot, than, you know, strolling down right into into the flames of hell, right? Like, that's what it's saying. If your eye, what you look at, what you watch, causes you to sin, deal with it. Deal with it. Gouge it out. Not literally, right? Because you still have this thing called an imagination, it says, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where the, the worm, New Living translation says, the maggots, I kind of like that version a little bit better. The maggots never die and the fire never goes out, burns forever, okay? So he's using a very graphic illustration, obviously to get their attention, but to address this issue of sinfulness and personal holiness, if, if what we do and where we go and what we watch is causing us to sin against him, then we need to make some changes in our lives. We need to make changes in our lives. I remember listening to John Corson one, one time, long time ago, and it was so radical. Like, I would just gotten saved. And so I'm listening to him teach, and he says he's at home watching TV, and some commercial came on that he would classify as almost pornographic. And he's like, this is not okay. He gets up, unplugs his TV, picks it up, walks it out into his front yard, and throws it in the garbage. And here I am as a new believer, and I'm like, are you crazy? Like, that's your TV. Like, that's, how could you be so insane? But he said this, I can't can't give it even an inch within my life because I know where it'll take me. I know where it'll take me. You give sin just an inch within your life, man, and it will, it will run all over you. And pretty soon you will find yourself going to places where you shouldn't go and doing things you shouldn't do. We have to deal with sin. And this is hard because this is like a daily thing. And I'm, I'm like a set it and forget it kind of guy. Like, that's what I like. I wish Christianity was kind of like that. Um, following Jesus was like that, where like how I program my coffee maker to make coffee in the morning so when I wake up, I don't have to do anything because it just magic. It's there, right? Like, yes, I don't have to think. And the less I have to think, the better off I am, I feel, okay? But that's not, that's not the walk. That's not the walk because you will finish out this day and whatever trials and struggles and, and even good times and things that may present itself to you, but you will go to sleep. And if, the God, if, if God is good to us, in which he is, but if he gives us tomorrow, you and I will face a whole, a, a whole set of problems. It's like, no, I had victory over those yesterday. Yeah, it's, in the, it's in the past. Today's a new day. Today's a new day. That's why Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you, brothers, to present yourselves as living sacrifices, which is your reasonable service to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is speaking of a daily, continual thing. And what Jesus is saying to his guys here, he's like, listen, you, you need to learn to deal with sin in your life. And be drastic with it. But I'll lose. I'll lose if I'm like this aggressive. I'll lose, I'll lose friends. Maybe. Or maybe you'll gain brothers. Maybe what we're so afraid of losing, we actually never end up even losing, but you may gain it to a greater degree. Because maybe those some people are looking for hope and looking for ways out themselves. And then they see you be bold in your walk with Jesus. And that encourages them to be bold in their walk with Jesus. You never know, guys, we oftentimes just, just spend most of our life assuming that we understand what's actually happening and what's happening in the lives of other people. Jesus says, "Listen, you deal with sin in your life. Don't let it, don't let it ensnare you, don't let it get you. Make these hard decisions within your life, and, and I don't know what those are for you. I know what they are for me. There are places I do not go, and I cannot go. All right, if you ever see a yellow Jeep at Hooters, that is not me. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now because I drove by there the other day and there was a yellow Jeep, and I'm like, Oh, great. Um, you have, so like three of these on the island, and they're like, That's not me. Why? Because I'll never go there. I'll never go there. They have good wings and fried pickles, and I don't care. I don't care. I can make my own wings and fried pickles. I don't need, and I don't have issues with the people who run that, or or even the people that work there. It's nothing about that, but it's me. I know myself, so I don't go there. You can. There's a whole list of other places, I guess. I know what can easily trip me up. In 20 years of walking with Jesus, and it's taken me a while, but I've learned. Now I can't. Why I can't? I can't turn on that. Um, I, you know, I I don't go there. um, Don't do that. Or I need to watch what I say, you know, and those triggers and all that stuff. We just learn, we learn and you fail. And then the Lord picks you up and he dust, you know, wipes the dust off of you and he forgives you because you own it. I hope you own it. And you say, man, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Picks you up and he says, let's keep going. Let's keep going. What this is talking about, the, some of the, the, the verbiage within here, it's, it's not if, it's when. Technically in the Greek, I mean, I know our Bible say if your hand, but really it's saying when, when your hand causes you to stumble. When your feet cause you to stumble. When your eyes cause you to stumble. Because the Lord is a realist. He knows us. He knows us. He says, when this happens, hey, deal with it. Own it. Deal with it. Why? Because we got things to do. We got things to do. There's a mission. And we want to make disciples. We want to be a part of this rescue plan that Jesus has us on. For everyone, verse 49, will be tested with fire. OK, this could be speak of a purifying process. Um, or it could also speak of a, you know, a pain kind of a process connected to those, the verses about hell uh, prior to it. It says, salt is good for seasoning. Yes, we love salt, um, sometimes too much, but we love it. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You can't. You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. So it goes all the way back to them arguing with each other about who's the greatest, and then with the little kid as illustration, but then also with the illustration of the disciple, this guy casting out demons and them making him stop. Jesus says, listen, you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt. You're light. Don't don't lose your flavor. Salt was a, it's a flavoring, obviously it it intensifies the food, right? So good, salt's really good, Uh, in moderation, it's good but it's also a preserving thing. It keeps decay away. And he says, that's what you are in this world as a church. That's why you have to deal aggressively with sin in your own life, because you're salt, you're a preserver, you're a preserver in this world. So you deal with sin Don't lose your saltiness, right? Stay salty. Yeah, we like that, huh? That means different things for some people, right? I'm not talking about your attitude, okay? Calm down. Let's talk about your effectiveness within this world. Don't lose your flavor. Don't lose your saltiness. You go and represent Jesus. You go on love on brothers and sisters who don't even go to church here. They're still brothers and sisters, okay? You encourage them and then you go and take Jesus into this lost world that needs hope more than
0: anything. Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle as he teaches through the book of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus's time here on earth. Though it's short, this book is powerful, as it's filled with encounters that Jesus had with people, everyday people just like you and me. And the book of Mark reminds us that Jesus came to serve. He humbly did what needed to be done, even if it wasn't glamorous. Jesus healed the people who were sick. He spent time with the lonely and the rejected. He loved the unloved unconditionally. And then he proved his love by the ultimate act of service. He gave up his life for all of us. He took the place of every person on the earth, and then those to come, because we all deserve death. Our sins make us unacceptable to God, and we're unable to do anything to fix it. That's why we need Jesus. Today, if you haven't allowed Jesus to be your Savior, please consider it again. If you have questions, or would you like to talk more with someone? Then please take a moment and go to breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. You can also come visit us if you're in the Galveston area. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston and we meet every Sunday and Thursday. So find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off in the book of Mark. So make a note of where we are and make plans to join us next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.